hello and welcome to episode 66 of Cutscene Combos. Um, it's been a quiet week, but not a quiet week. Um, yeah, it's like one major thing, but then not much else was happening. Exactly that. It's exactly that. Um, so this week we've got a character profile on everyone's favourite raccoon, Rocket, mm-hmm. um, as well as a full and spoilery review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. We're also going to be discussing Star Wars' unique ability to give all of their droids personalities that shine through, as well as also discussing why and if Star Wars should stop just using CGI faces for iconic characters when there are perfectly good actors who are fit to replace them. Before we get into a busy nerd news network with lots of little tidbits over the week, as well as our last ever superhero showdown in Ghost Rider vs. Swamp Thing in the grand final of our Super Showdown bracket. But for all that good stuff, Horizontal, how's your week been? Um, we, I mean, we were just talking before we started recording, but like, work has slammed me this week. Uh, combination of being ill with the COVID and then being away and then coming back like right after like a big project was announced and there's all this prep work going on it's like just absolutely like walked back in you know that like the meme way of uh walking in with the pizzas and everything's on fire yes yeah yeah community yeah from community Six seasons in a movie that that was just like essentially was like that but rather than things on fire so people running around like and it's like oh here's a load of stuff we need from you Welcome back, and it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> hi. Just, just walk into that desk piled with loads yeah. of paperwork. You're like, I, I, I don't even deal with paperwork. What is all this? And it's just like, so trying to do that, and then having like a bit of a cold uh, as well this week, and hay fever. Like, it's just I've been slammed for the past two weeks, like health wise and work wise. <laughs> I just can't. Yeah, no, pal. You need to start oh. taking vitamins and stuff. I think I do, or something. I, to be honest, I think it was a case of like I got run down. Then I was away, and like the following weekend, I was playing with my nephews and nieces, and it's like kids are always carrying bugs. Mate, I, 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 we all did it as kids. We all ran around like lunatics. But when you get to like sixteen and you have young nieces, is the first time you realise how much more energy young children have than everyone else. In one weekend, I was like, I need to get back to the gym. <laughs> I was like, I am so out of shape. Um, but yeah, so I think I just caught something from that. But yeah, other than that, been vibing. Got me back on Valorant, you lot did. Mate, that um, was great. I'm playing Minecraft a little bit. Uh, we'll Same. see how long that lasts because it's only vanilla. But other than that, yeah. Just trying to keep on top of work and get kind of in a steady place again with things. Uh, but how how's your week been? Um, weird. <laughs> I was bank. It was bank holiday Monday as well, wasn't it? Yeah, because like I've yeah. not stopped since the last episode, <laughs> but at the same time, I can't really recall many things that I've done. It's it's weird. Um. So met up with some of the boys on Bank Holiday Monday, went into London, uh, went and bought some comic books because, you know, we'll never have enough. Um, Any excuse. It's, it's all right, though. They are like, if we could, like, make some money off of this before 
the end of this financial year. So we've got basically a full year. They are all tax deductible. <laughs> I was going to say so you can write them off because because they're Flashpoint comics and Kang Dynasty comic. So like they they are like so easily deductible. It's unreal. Um, but yeah, it's just works. It's kind of a busy but not busy thing. There's a couple of new starters in different parts of the company who need to have a decent grasp of what I do. Right. So like I've got random people just coming in to spend days working with me in a job where I'm normally in a room by myself, earphones in, letting the world just melt away while I'm trying to crack on. And that's quite like a big change in like just the way my day goes. Um, me and the girlfriend have also been looking at the potential of buying a house and mortgages and stuff, which is just mind melting. Trying yeah, to work out the order, the ordering way stuff has to get done, and the information you need, and just all of that crap. Um, but we're we're slowly making our way through that to work out what we're doing. Um, so yeah, it's just it's just a lot going on. Sounds um, like a lot. Yeah. But I mean, we're kind of doing it at the right time because there's no like weekly TV shows at the minute. Yeah, this is true. So I'm kind of like, okay, I have a bit more time to do this. But being an idiot who is obsessed with content at the minute, I'm also spending a lot of that little bit of extra time I've got coming up with ideas for streaming or streaming itself. Um, mm -hmm. So there's that as well. Um, but I think we should go ahead and get into this. Yes. So character profiles are notoriously difficult, and the fact that I managed to pump one out every week is no yeah, mean you, feat. No, you do it well. Um, I don't know how I've managed to get away with it for as long as I have. One of these days, it was all going to come crumbling down, but today is not that day. Um, I thought there is no better time mm -hmm. than right now to do a character profile on everyone's favourite raccoon at the minute. Um, I agree. And I think there's going to be some interesting bits in here that, I mean, I definitely didn't know. Um, so I imagine most people don't know. Okay. Interesting. So if I told you Rocket Raccoon made his first appearance in February 1982, do you want to hazard a guess at what comic you think he made his first appearance in? Well, it's obviously not going to be like a Guardians of the Galaxy comic. So, I don't know. A Groot comic. Nope. Okay. Incredible Hulk number 271. What? That's such a random That pairing. is really random, isn't it? Okay, so what happened was the Hulk got transported to Half-World, a planet okay. where humanoid mental patients, so they're not described as humans, but they are humanoid, people with severe cross-the-galaxy mental issues, right. were in a planet-sized facility being okay. cared for by genetically and mechanically enhanced animals including oh. Rocket. So, basically Dr. what Rocket. happened was centuries ago mm. the Shrinks, as all they're known, took these humanoids to this planet where they looked after them. Mm -hmm. um, then their funding got cut, so they left. Right. But in one last act of care before they left, they built robots to care for these patients. Okay. Um, another couple of hundred years pass. These robots, through a freak um, cosmic storm, gain sentience. 
and realise they don't want to care for these people. So they want to build their own society. So what they do is they take these animals that have been there as like emotional support animals. Right. And they genetically and um, mechanically engineer and modify them to then give care to these patients. Interesting. Yeah, it's a really weird con yeah. concept. Um, so what eventually happens over time is that animals realize that the best way to keep these mental patients happy is with toys. Right. Just things that they can pay attention to, and they realize that when the patients don't have adequate toys, they become difficult and violent and aggressive. So they make toy companies, and they and that basically becomes the big market for this little world. It's just who's making toys, because then the people can get the toys to give to the patients to make their own life easier. Right, um, okay. And basically, as the Hulk arrives, he encounters Rocket, and Rocket informs him of the villainous Judson Jakes, who's basically trying to monopolize toys so that he controls the world. Because if he's in charge That's of the right. toys, he's got control over the mental patients. And therefore right. has control over the citizens, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So the Hulk goes right. I hope stop him. He sounds like a bad dude. I'm on board. So as they're going back to form a plan, Rocket realizes that Jake's has discovered and kidnapped his girlfriend Lila. Okay. After finding Jake's base, the Hulk was fooled into being teleported back to Earth. By Jake's um, chief science officer. Right. However, Rocket was able to locate and escape with Lila, which is all good news. Um, then we get a weird period of time called the Toy Wars, <laughs> which is basically another Judson Jake's type person. Right. Starts fighting with Judson and the planet to try and do exactly what Judson's trying Mega to do. Mega Toy Cops. Yes. But they they also are extremely interested in Lila because she is the heiress to this company because it was started by her grandparents. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just it, it's very typical evil corporation storyline. It's just in space and with, with toys. characters. Yeah. Um. So there was that whole war. There's not really too much on how that ended. It just did. Um, I assume something didn't quite go right because Rocket seems to have lost his memory. Okay. And he kind of is just adventuring around space by himself, a little bit lost in the world. When he happens upon the Guardians who um, save him from a situation he was in the middle of, not deliberately save him, they just happen to be there and save him. Mm -hmm. um, and they, well, he helps them out on, as like part of the escape because obviously he wants to get out. Yep. Um, and he ends up joining them and acts as like a master tactician and heavy weapons expert for them. Very reminiscent of what Rocket is to the people who know yeah. him through the MCU. Um, and from there, Rocket was pretty steady. He was a member of the Guardians. There was a couple of short stints where him and Groot would go off and just be like a partnership out mm. and about. But yep. for the most part, they were the Guardians. He even helped to steady the ship a couple of times when Star Lord's Star Lord's leadership was called into question. Right. Um, 
and Rocket and the Guardians would also go on to play a role in the battles against Thanos and the forming of the Infinity Watch. Yep. Um, here's the thing. The Guardians of the Galaxy were a nothing comic book. And yeah. I, I never want to claim that, oh, the film made the books, because that is always a horrible thing to claim. But in this case, it's not far off the truth. It is a very James Gunn-esque thing to do, to go, okay, give me your weird and wonderful characters, I will make something happen. Um, but yeah, that is Rocket. He he is a raccoon in the comics. He is genetically enhanced. Um, I would argue he's been given a much more tragic and gruesome backstory. In Yeah, MCU. but in a bit more... I, f- I feel a more interesting backstory, though. Yes, for sure. Um, and I think with that, we should probably get on to the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 discussion. Yes, as I have now finally seen it. Okay, so first and foremost, do you feel my spoiler-free re- review last week did it justice? I do. Uh, I came out of that film, and instantly in my head was like, I understand what Connor was feeling. And what he was trying to explain, how he was feeling. I fully, I sat in my car for like a good 10 minutes before I even set off. Because I was just like, and it wasn't like, like you said, it wasn't, I was sat there sad or I was sat there like, like upset, like that something was wrong, done wrong or anything. It was just like, there was a number of emotions swirling around. It was just like, that's the end. And honestly, the perfect end. Um, no, you're not wrong. And I have to agree. I thought, well, I was like, we'll see, but I can see how this might be true. But I do agree this is the best tr- superhero trilogy. This beats Batman. Which, uh, so, I mean, film. that is going to come down to purely tasting for people. I'd be willing to hear arguments for either being the better trilogy. Um, but it's definitely top two. Um, I don't think there's much question about that. Um, I saw a lot of people in the internet having it in third behind um, Batman and the Raimi trilogy. Okay, Raimi 1 and 2, I can give you. The third Spider-Man film is hot garbage. Mm, that's, see, As when a you said child, it, I hated that film. When you said it last week, and you were like, the best superhero trilogy, immediately in my head I went, what about Spider-Man? I was like... Ah, yeah, but Sp- third Spider-Man really uh, goes... Really just, it, it just drops yeah. off a cliff. Amazing mm-hmm. Spider-Man didn't get his third one. Yeah. Um, and we and... haven't had... No, we have had the third Spider-Man. No. We have the third uh, MCU yeah. Spider-Man film. But it's um, not really a trilogy. It's not It's not a trilogy in the same way. No. Um, I... I mean, so, first off, the big thing I was looking forward to discussing with you with the visuals of the film the colors and everything it was gorgeous oh yeah that so yeah cgi i think this is the first one now where they have done a great job with the cgi again like this feels like it's back to marvel's quality level that it should be uh-huh um i mean you guardians has always had amazing visuals and amazing like more creativity in that and then using like music like it didn't miss a beat of having like a great soundtrack once again yeah 
Um, the first thing I really want to talk about, though, and I don't care that it's disjointed by this point, if you're watching That's this, you've already fine. seen the film. That fight scene in the corridor. Yes. Is that one of the best fight scenes in MCU history? For a specific sequence like that, with so many moving parts, it possibly well could be the only other film I'm like thinking that has amazing fight sequences was Shang-Chi. But uh-huh. that's because it's martial arts. But I think, honestly, yeah, that, that corridor fight scene like flowed so well. Off the top of my head, the ones I'm thinking of are Winter Soldier has a number of really solid fight scenes with mm. Bucky and Cap. Yeah. You've got No Way Home between Spider-Man and Green Goblin. Yeah. Shang-Chi has a number of solid ones. Yes, it does. And corridor scene. There are none other like straight off the top of my head that are, like that fucking impressive. And I don't want to talk about pure scale, because obviously if you're talking about pure scale, you're looking at like endgame or civil war. But like actual like impressiveness of the fight scene, mm. I think they're the ones that are right at the top for me. I I would agree on that, yeah. Honestly. There was a, a couple, like there was the corridor one, but then like the fight, like that final fight, where they're just um, Rocket's final little stand against um, his creator, mm-hmm. and they all take their like one bombs. It was a lot shorter, but that still was a very well mm. um, choreographed fight scene. Yeah. Um, and what I will say, which bearing in mind, I have been, I've been on a bit of a murderous rampage when it comes to films recently. I've been coming out of films guys, someone should fucking die. Yes. I was going into this expecting a number of people to die. Well, we've and discussed no one this. did, and I wasn't disappointed. No, yeah, this was another thing that I came, when I sat and came out of the film, was we went in, like, way back when this first, like, the first teasers and the trailers, like, everybody was expecting Rocket to die, but if it's not Rocket, one or two other people are going to die. I was like, thinking, like, Groot and Nebula survive at most. Um, Yeah, and I, I was, like, fully expected it. Also, James Gunn known to kill off characters. So it's, like, it's not a unexpected thing from one of his films. Um, But, yeah, I, I didn't leave it like I left Ant-Man feeling like hang on they just felt like they copped out there this yeah. was like no i don't think anyone deserved to die actually yeah it's how you close out a character arc without having to kill them beautifully and he did that for all of the characters yeah every character got the ending that they deserved including us as the audience who've watched this trilogy so i'm not sure if you've seen this on twitter someone tweeted oh my new head canon is group didn't learn to speak English. We could just finally understand him. So, okay. So this is something I came out. Of the, I was driving back and I was like, I don't think that that was group learned how to speak English. I think that was James Gunn allowing us to finally understand him as a way for yeah. the audience to close it out. So that scene felt weird to me and I didn't know why at first. Because it wasn't like I had an issue of being able to understand him. I was like, something didn't look right there. So I've gone back and I've seen the clip again and I realised... None of the Guardians react differently. 
No. No one goes. And that is why when James Gunn comes out and goes, yes, you guys can just understand him now because you're close enough to the characters. Yeah. Makes complete sense. Because this character went, whoa, that, that's obviously, oh, he can now speak universal well, basic. It was also, I think, obviously it's the end of the film when they do it. And it's like, genuine, generally, when we've had Groot say something of importance to know what he said, another character has like, replied to him in a way that gives come like yes. no group we don't need to do this and repeats what he said but because it was the end and everyone was just like around and everyone was silent there obviously was no opportunity to do that but then i do like i sat there and i was like i think i, I feel like that was james gunn's way of closing the trilogy for the fans and i'm very much glad that that is the case 100 percent. um this is a phrase that i really don't like to use too often but oh. it did feel like a love letter from james gunn to the marvel fans it did and it felt like weirdly felt like the end of the first era of the mcu yes like we're now in a completely different era with like this felt like the end of that, like the first set of legacy characters. Like this is mm -hmm. the conclusion, and it, as you say, a bit of a love letter to the MCU fans of that. There, there is no legacy character still cutting about now. They're all gone. Not at least in the same way, anyway. Yeah. Um. No, I think that's completely fair. Um. I'm gonna. Now I know last week you said there's a you had a couple of nitpicky things. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if what one of them might be something that sort of is a nitpicky thing for me, but it was kind of like a I didn't hate it, but I'm like unsure. Go on, you go. The increased, like swearing, like the f bomb, kind of felt. It like I didn't hate it and it kind of fit, but it just was a little jarring. And then like they used dickhead at one point or dickheads, and I was like, that feels weird. Um, so I didn't actually mind that for two reasons. They fit in the situation, and as someone who is not, I'm I'm prone to the swear word. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like it. Like in that situation, I could see myself responding in that kind of way. Like the open the fucking door is like a very real kind of sentence. So yeah. I didn't have an issue with that. And I also think, as stupid as it sounds, it kind of helps because it's laying the groundwork for Deadpool to come in. Well, yeah. You no, know Deadpool is going to come in and have to be a fifteen to eighteen easily. So if people are going to watch more, who who like are us who are going to watch their Marvel films because we're the right age and we can go to all of them aren't used to hearing it in other contexts if Deadpool ever comes in someone else's film mm. and swears it needs to not feel jarring to see them characters near swear words now that I'm re like thinking about it more I'm wondering if it just felt like I didn't hate it. Like um, like it, like you say, it fit. Like the thing with the car door, like it made sense to go get the fuck open the fucking door. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder actually more if that's me coming at this from like it felt weird because I'd seen so much about this has Marvel's first F, but like there's an F bomb and all the talk about it that like my brain was actively waiting for it. So then it felt out of place because I'm like 
so focused on waiting for it to appear. I get that. Yeah, I don't know why it was made such a big deal out of, but it's the yeah. same in Eternals. Well, like before, it's like it's gonna have Marvel's first ever sex scene, and like I'm not even sure I count it as a sex scene. Yes, like, I've watched shows with sex scenes that is like <laughs> barely counts. Yeah, we've also um, Wolf of like, Wall Street. Yeah, like <laughs> saying "open the fucking door." Yeah, is when, not like as someone who's used to car doors. The notion that someone is taking this long to open a door. You would get to a point where you'd like, open the fucking door. Um, especially when Groot got in so effortlessly. Yeah, like, he just... Clearly did... not actually that complicated. Also, so, keeping on that car scene, yes. were you like me that kind of was just blindsided and just expected him to know how to drive? No. As he was getting oh. there, I was like, I'm, I, I was the other side. I was like, I'm going to be confused if he can drive this well. Well, it's like, it didn't even, like, wasn't even a thought for me. And then obviously, like, he messes up at the beginning, and I was like, oh, shit, yeah, why would he drive? <laughs> like, yeah. he's never driven a car, what the fuck? Yeah, we've just established that the person who's also never been to Earth and driven a car is struggling to open a door. Why would someone who left when they were, like, 80 any better? I just did, like... Because Nebula's a good enough pilot. <laughs> yeah, I think I just got, like, blindsided by the whole yeah. car door thing, and well, then... It's a grown, it's a grown, like, human man. You'd expect him to And he's, like, drive. from Earth, so it's just... Yeah. Yeah. And um, no, it's very funny. Um, one thing that a lot of people have been complaining about on Twitter, which I'm not sure if people just don't understand. Okay. People are saying, Groot looks completely different to the first Guardians, and I don't like it. This Groot is a different character. Yeah, people don't. I don't think people understand that. The Groot that died in Guardians One is not the Groot we have now. This is his son. Well, yeah, we so we discussed this. I think after the Christmas special because Quite that's when he was starting to. He looked swole, like yeah, there was swole Groot, and we were like, okay, because that was the first time I think we've seen him out of teenage years. Yeah, and he was starting to look different. And you said then, people need to like people don't realize like this is a different Groot. This isn't the group that we had at the beginning it's got the memories right but doesn't yes. have it's not the same group exactly um i love this group. i like the design i fucking love it especially where he got to at the end the um oh yeah the post credits like the same form yeah, yeah, yeah which i've seen some people saying he's reaching king group form yeah yeah, that is definitely an inspiration for that look. He looks sick. Massive, quite twiggy on the edges. Ma uh, and well, like, thing, a, a, another reason to describe a lot of um, the design changes are the situations this group has grown up in. Oh, so yeah. He's... First group had been like exiled from his planet, he'd been alone, and he'd grown by himself. Yeah, and then. And it's kind of a whole. Si yeah kind of a whole thing of actually this group grew up around love so he's grown up bigger and stronger but also look at the people he's interacted with when he was a teenager yeah he's grown up fighting as well yeah <laughs> you got like thor you got captain america all these big muscly dudes of course he's going to end up huge the hulk he's yeah. seen all these big guys and like as a teenager they would be the people he's looking up to so of course he's going to end up being huge. Um, oh yeah, like it makes sense, and I think it just looks sick. It does. It looks so so the, good, and the, also it adds a bit of a um, 
it adds like when you've got like them shots of them walking together, yeah, it adds a bit of differentiation between them. Yeah. Because they're all like a similar kind of size. Then you have Rocket who's a bit smaller. You've obviously got Mantis and Nebula are a bit slimmer. You've got mm-hmm. Drax who's a bit wider. And then before you just had Groot who was a bit taller. Now you've got this thing that's just walking behind them that's fucking massive. Yeah, just a unit. Um, um I really love the ca- like kaiju mode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And then also, what is essentially a little throwback to like Rocket sitting on his shoulders when they're in the fight scene and he's just spinning around. I enjoyed that. Um, And the hidden weapon point. Um, That was phenomenal because as he's handing the guns to Groot, he says, You know what to do with these. Yeah, I put the note in my head, but then you kind of forget about it. Well, yeah, you don't. And then he's like, Okay, now. And then then you just see him start unraveling and you're like, Oh, shit. That's the thing. It's like the. They stop them at the the checkpoint where they're like, "Oh, you can't come in. Your arms a weapon," um, and they scan Star Lord. But then I'm like, "Oh well, Groot's just a tree." Like, I was like, "I mean, technically he is a weapon." I'm surprised they've not told him like he can't come in, but they probably just see him as a tree. Didn't think about guns. I just thought Groot's just like we know what he can do with his arms. So like, Groot's a fucking unit. <laughs> and then he just yeah, like he unfolds. He's got a full on armory inside his chest mm-hmm. it was very cool um but i mean just the way the film was put together in three acts really yeah. really highlights how poor some super films have been in the third act recently yeah there's been definitely like this film never felt like everything was quick into the next bit like it didn't kind of hang about too much in like for example like when rocket got injured they made it very clear very quick like this is he has 48 hours max like this is we ain't hanging about yeah like there was no let's figure out what to do it's like no we're in the ship we're going like they made sure the pacing was like we're not gonna end up getting an issue here where we're we like lull and then people feel that Whereas yeah, exactly. other films, we've had that issue between the second to third. It's like it lulls because it struggles to know how to keep the momentum going. But now that I'm thinking about it, sat here, the other film that we said the third act didn't slow us down was um, Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. And they did a very similar thing there where the goal from 30 seconds in wasn't to save the world. It was, oh, we need to find this thing. So what do we need to do? We need to go find this person and do this and do this. And then before you know it, you're at the end where they're having to save the world and they didn't even realise it. Yeah. Whereas in this, we've got the same thing. It's they're chilling in nowhere. Adam Warlock attacks. Shit, Rocket's in trouble. Okay, we need to find out how to save Rocket. We need to go and contact the Ravengers. The Ravengers need to take us to this place. Mm -hmm. We get to this place and we realise they've escaped, so we have to go to this planet. We go to this planet and the ship takes off, but we've saved Rocket now. But we're split up, so we've got to try and save each other. Oh, well, we've got to save all these kids. And then before you know it, it's built into this thing. Yeah. It's, um, it's something that a lot of storytellers in general need to get back to. They're see- and I said this a while ago. There is a problem in the MCU right now where after Endgame, the stakes need to be raised, but... They're raising them in the wrong ways. They're making everything an end of the world threat, which makes you go, yes. "Well, if one Avenger can handle an end of the world threat, when we get to the next Avengers film, 
how ridiculously da dangerous does this threat need to be? Yeah, I think um, they, they did a very good job of, like, on that. Like, Adam Warlock came in and was fucking them up. Like, the Guardians didn't just, like, handle this, in, like, insanely powerful guy with no problem. Like, he fucked them up, they escaped, and then as the film went on, they, like, kind of showed a bit of progression for them to be stronger to deal with stuff. But, but the stakes were, we don't want our friend to die. That is a yes. very reasonable stake that to a normal fucking human is going to feel huge. You can put yourself in that situation where your friend is hurt and you're trying to get to a hospital and you're like, shit, we have to move quick. We need to get there safely. We need to get there quickly. Mm -hmm. Whatever it takes. Um, and that, that still feels like a huge, like, shit. Because you care about these characters at this point. You're like, shit, Rocket needs to be okay. The entire time, everyone is sat there going, Rocket needs to be okay. Yeah. So we're not worried about, oh, is there six planets being blown up? Because guess what? When they're doing these kind of stakes, no one knows anyone on them fucking fictional planets. And they're like, also, oh no, planets. They keep they don't like they don't let the stakes kind of just settle. Like they keep the viewer remembering that this is the stakes are high in the sense of like halfway through, rocket worsens. And then it's like Oh, they've made it to the place to find like the information about Rocket to how to save him. Oh shit! Now they're stuck trying to find their way out. This is going wrong. Like Rocket's getting worse. Like we we know as the viewer, like we're so locked in on the fact that Rocket's deteriorating. We and as a viewer, we don't want to see Rocket go. And they're like getting slowed down. That you don't think about any like all these bigger things going on, like you say. Yeah. Um, it is, it's, it's, I mean, it's a masterpiece. Also, one huge nitpick I have, again, with oh. fans, not with the actual film. Okay. It wasn't a fucking Among Us reference. It was a 2001 A Space Odyssey reference. <laughs> My brother in Christ. Oh, with the coloured suits. Yeah, it's just, and don't get me wrong, I get why people went there, I do. Generation. Among Us is a much more recent and larger yeah. culturally relevant reference. But he made very clear after that first trailer came out and everyone went, Among Us? Yeah. He said straight away, no, it's not an Among Us reference. I really liked the, like, go, kind of going way back to us talking about the visuals and stuff. I loved the design and art direction for that shit that's lab space station whatever oh i forget oh, what like it's the called. organic the organic yeah spaceship. yeah yeah it was like very very cool and every like everything was organic in some way and it was like i don't know as the viewer you could feel that like this was kind it of weird slimy. yeah it felt something it felt weird to like interact with but it was also very interesting to look at yeah um but the re like the craziest thing for me is that shifting point where they're getting ready to go into the lab and Drax's like, and we'll kill everyone. And Peter's <laughs> like, no, we're not killing anyone. We're just trying to save our friend. We're the good yeah. guys. We get in, we get out. Then we find out what Rocket's been through. And at that point, Star-Lord, you just got to see in his eyes. He's like, I will kill every single fucking one of you if I have to. Yeah, it's... The, there's the funny moment, like you say, with Drax going, we're going to kill everyone. No, we're not killing anyone. We'll kill some people. No, we're not killing... We kill one person, one very sad person. He's like, why have you made it sad? 
Like one, yeah. like one stupid guy who no one's gonna miss. Yeah, but then it's like we also we then see like um, Peter's doing is like, oh, I've got this. I'll charm them. Uh, which everyone's like, oh yeah, classic. He's doing his usual like charismatic thing. It's gonna go wrong. But then he's actually has grown as a person and he's like he does that and then immediately like with the bit when he gets on the security cameras and he's like oh thank you oh yeah i don't give a fucking shit about that i'm just doing this now <laughs> like it was all a ruse he knew from the start like what he's doing he and it's like all about just like we like we'll, we don't want to shoot everybody but this is for rocket we'll do whatever we freaking can yeah we'll do what we have to do to save our friend i also liked how it was like it made sense that the staff of that place would comply like there was none of this like oh we've gone to some evil run medical thing which has guards it's like suddenly everyone's gonna fight against us and not like gonna make it the yeah. hardest thing to get out it's like yeah. no they they were they general security people security guards the security guards fight yeah <laughs> like the general people are gonna not want to be shot like when the woman gets shot in the leg and just instantly freaks out i was like that's great yeah. It was very good. And honestly, getting to see... The way they did show us Rocket's backstory, I really enjoyed. Like, the flashbacks and, like, the slow reveals about different things as he's grown up, like, as he was growing yeah. up. Um, yeah, did you... Um, go on. When you first saw uh, Flora, Flora? Flora. Um, were you a bit like, oh. <laughs> and then yes. as you went on, you were like, kind of cute actually yeah yeah by the end i was like i, I she can be my pet i, I look after floor um but yeah no the, when you first see her she's terrifying yeah it was um, uh, caught me definitely caught me off guard yeah um and i think it was supposed to and don't get me wrong, i've seen people with outrageous takes look like this is supposed to be a kid's film how can it be so like brutal and it's like hey who the fuck said these films were for kids you Why? made that assumption years ago Let's remember in Iron Man 3, we were dealing with alcohol addiction. Granted, yeah. it wasn't phenomenally well done, but it was a plot point. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, also, like, why does a rabbit with robot legs have to be like, a scary yeah. thing? Um, but it, it was just, I mean, I, I can't pronounce the actor's name. The actor played the high evolutionary. Yes. Um, My God, what a performance. Oh, yeah, he... Like when we said uh, Jonathan Majors is Kang, this guy mm. played the High Evolutionary incredibly. Like, yeah. I felt his, like, power and control. And then you also, like, man was crazy, and he sold that so well. He really did. Um, uh, have you seen... I this is a bit of a tangent. Have oh, you no, seen not, the suggestion that if disney separates oh, yeah. this is where i was going okay. yeah if disney so, chooses to separate from jonathan majors due yeah. to his situation on, ongoing. ongoing situation which i haven't heard a lot more about other than everything got dropped but yeah i'm convinced that it's fully dropped or whatever so i don't know what's actually going on over there so i wouldn't want to speculate but there are discussions that disney are going to get rid of him um, yeah. And a lot of people are going, if they do decide to go that way, give this guy the role, make High Evolutionary a variant, mm -hmm. away you go. Um, I, I'd back it. I would. I think in terms oh, of... 
I don't want Jonathan Majors to lose out on the wrong. No. From a knee-jerk reaction is all I'll say. Yes. I, if something... If there is evidence that he has done any yep. of the stuff he's accused of, cool, whatever. But with how like little is actually known as fact right now, yeah, we've just got so, to wait and see. Obviously, some people are like having knee-jerk reactions and are just like, oh, just replacing Marvel's recast people before. I feel like the difference... Because I was thinking about this as well. Because obviously I'd seen people saying... Um, just call him a Kang variant and you, you're away, it works. With Rhodey, it was one film. Uh-huh. Ask people now, who's Rhodey, who's um who like who is like who do you think of? Everyone yeah, Don, Don Cheadle. Yeah. No one thinks of Iron Man One anymore. The yeah. issue with Kang is we've had him in Loki season one. Uh, we've ha now had him in Ant-Man in a much bigger way, uh -huh. and we're getting him in Loki Season 2. Uh -huh. To, like, recast that, it's a lot harder to kind of not have him be the people think, like, who people think of. Yeah. So they um, shouldn't just instantly doable. do it. But it is. Also, talking on variants and stuff, people are dumb as fucking starting to wind me up. So I'm just going to explain this in very simple maths real quick. Okay. If you believe in multiversal theory, which mm -hmm. for the MCU we must because it, we've been told it's true, yeah. and, and especially with the explanation the TVA give of every mm -hmm. time you make a different decision, you get a branching reality, there are an infinite number of universes where Connor Knight looks like me, mm -hmm. and there are an infinite number of universes where Connor Knight looks nothing like me. Yes. So just because... Doctor Strange and Doctor Strange from all the Doctor Stranges with Benedict Cumberbatch doesn't mm -hmm. mean it's always going to be Benedict Cumberbatch. It doesn't have to be. Just like because Peter Parker was three different faces in No Way Home mm. doesn't mean it's always going to be a different face. Yes. This is very simple to understand. I don't so, understand how the internet struggles so much with it. Yeah, like we've seen it on both ways now. And it's like if you're trying to argue either way, it's, it's like both. Like, it can be the same or it can a be very, different. It can be same or different face. That is, it's literally that simple. The um, only consistent is their name. Generally. Yes. Yes. And even then, like, you can add, like, little changes to it, like yeah. different middle names, because that could be a branch. But for the most part, a person's going to be a person. Um, exactly. I get that there's an argument that maybe some characters should always be the same. Um, to show that they're like significant to the multiverse, which I get. Like your wonders and your kangs should ideally stay the same. They don't mm. have to though. Well, no. What is the like, point of a multiverse if you're still hamstrung to the same couple of actors? And here's the thing with Kang. If I remember correctly, in the comics, they've gone back and had characters and gone, "Oh, that was a Kang variant, by the way. That looked nothing like the Kang that they have going in the comics." But they're like, "No, that was a Kang variant. It just looked different." Yeah. So yeah. it's like, it's like I, I'm I'm not worried about recasting someone who's a multiversal character as it is. Yeah. If it was like they wanted to recast like Doctor Strange from Mendit coming back right now in the main universe, I'd be like, well, that's going to be a little bit tricky. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, Kang, who's a multiversal threat anyway. Eh, it's fine. I think I think if it comes to that, I do think going with the artist that played the High Evolutionary is. 
in a way, the easiest way to kind of sell it in the story of things. Yes. Like, it's what an easy say, pass for Disney. What I will say about that, though, is a knee-jerk reaction from fans regarding who they like, who they don't like, mm. what they want to happen, should never, ever be trusted. True. Um, recency bias is a thing, and maybe he doesn't want to be the big bad Ooh. for the next... 15 that's years. the other thing you've got to find someone willing to sign on yes. for a um, lot of films yeah so we'll wait and see what comes of the entire situation if jonathan majors is guilty and needs to be replaced it's not a bad um fan cost mm-hmm. um and if he's found innocent and he keeps the role it's not something we have to worry about anyway so that is what it is. Yes. Um, should we get into Star Wars? I think we shall. So this is something that occurred to me. Actually, it didn't occur to me at all. I'm, I'm not going to lie and take credit for this. <laughs> it occurred to my girlfriend while right. we were watching Mandalorian. Yes. Um, in the finale, we have, what is it, R4? Something um, like that, yeah. Yeah. Um. And Jenna's like, Star Wars always do such a good job of making the droids have their own little personalities and so likable. And she said that, and I looked at her, and I went, you're right. How do they do that so consistently and not make it like a cut-and-paste personality? They are all very unique personalities. Yeah. And, I... and they manage it simply with beeps and boops. They do. And it's... I think it, it's twofold, right, of how they achieve it. It's being creative in knowing that even with just noises, you can kind of get across a sense of emotion because it's just how we're all wired. Like, we understand from people's tone of voice, like, what they're coming from. So you can do it with just tone of sounds. And then also, often... There is a character that do, like understands the droid and responds to it, helps us understand what they were saying in context to what they're saying, so then it helps add to it as well. Like we get like Luke interacting with R2 and being like, No, we can't do that, or like, Are you sure you're confident? Like yeah. gives it personality through response to them. And I think that's how they achieve it. But um, I think a big bit is also the way they carry themselves. So like C-3PO, for instance, who we do get to hear speak, which makes Mm -hmm. it a lot easier. But he walks in a very stiff manner. Yeah. And he talks very upright and he's very tightly strung. So you get like every, although everyone loves C-3PO, everyone knows he's a bit fucking annoying. (laughs) Yeah. But he managed to hit that sweet spot where you still love him, but like, oh my God, will you shut up? Well, yeah, it's like, look at, all the love Chopper gets. Yes. Because he, him as a droid, I don't know how much more of Rebels you've been watching. I, I've, I've got through three or four <laughs> episodes. But like, somehow, we all root for how rebellious it is. Because it's like, he'll get told something and then it shows him just going off and doing something that a droid should not be trying to do. And he gets away with it and you're like, yes. Well, uh, my, my favourite example of Chopper so far with the limited I've seen is that fucking around in the uh, spaceship in Ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got him and Ezra, like, fighting over something. Yeah. 
And Edge was like, oh, fuck you. And he's got his little arms, and he's waving about, and he spins a lot to show like how over the top he is. Yeah. And then Edge goes to jump on his bed, and the bed just fucking collapses on Zeb. 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 Um, yeah. And then you've got Zeb running after Ezra because he blames Ezra. And then you just see Sabine look at Chopper, and he's got the bolts, and he's waving them like, <laughs> yeah. I got you. Yeah. It's, it's small things like that with gestures and like tonal things that it's. It's like, um, at the end of the day, it's body language and tone, which we all understand whether it's a robot or a person. Um, Star Wars isn't, like, afraid to, like, le- like, allow the droid to just be, like, they don't try to baby it with us. It's like, yeah. we get given a droid and they trust us to understand what's, and read what's going on. Yeah. But um, it is very interesting for sure. Um, there's also been a lot of arguments in the Star Wars community, like there always is, with droids. And it's like, in the original trilogy, no one understood R2 other than C-3PO. Yes. C-3PO always had to... Um, translate. Translate for him, thank you. Um, and, that, and, that, and now in the Disney trilogy, they're like, and now Luke understands R2, what's that about? Canon broken? It's not. And this is another thing people don't understand. So, the language we hear when watching Star Wars is not English, it's Galactic Basic. Yeah. Yeah? Um, droids speak binary. Yeah. It's another language that humans can learn. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, a lot of them don't bother to, but they can. Well, so, the reason is, between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens, or whenever we see Luke again. Right? Oh, yeah. no, that is right at the end of Force Awakens. He's spent, what, 20 years with R2? He's yeah. just learned to speak binary so he can understand his mate. Well, you, look at it this way, right? People that are like, how can you understand that? As you say, the droids all speak binary. But, well, the ones that don't speak English. Um, binary is essentially just Morse code. Ones and zeros. And People could understand Morse code from just listening to it. So it's no yeah. different than just listening to binary, which is essentially, again, Morse code. Of course, after, like you say, 20 odd years or whatever it is, like, he's going to understand. He's listened to Morse code nonstop. He's going he's gonna to learn what yes, no, thank you <laughs> is. You're like, you, you get to grips with it. Just like you can get people who understand the language but can't speak it. I know plenty of people going to a Catholic school in an area that had a lot of Italian migrants. I know a lot of people who are like, their grandparents are Italian and only speak Italian. They can understand what their grandparents are saying to them, but they can't respond. Yeah. Um. So, like, I don't think that's a huge issue. Just like R2 can clearly understand basic, but can't respond in it. Yeah. So you've just got them, they're both speaking in their own language, and they can understand that language, but they can't respond in that language. Um. So I don't think this is the big canon-breaking thing that Star Wars fans are always looking for. And they are always looking for it. Um, it's simply more characters now speak binary than they used to. And well, yeah, maybe that's really handy for writers not having to think about it as much. But it still makes complete sense. It's also been, like, the few characters that do understand it. Like, it makes sense. It's not like every character... Like, general person we've come across like no no they're all just like i don't know what this droid's saying like they're just droids 
Well, I mean, in a lot of the uh, prequels, they don't understand droids. No. Because it's all Jedis who we've established in this time period are quite arrogant, even though they don't like to admit it, and therefore they don't bother to learn binary. No. So it's like, the only ones we've seen are ones that have either spent a lot of time with droids, or, in the case of, like, Mando, like, they understand it because they've travelled a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... But I do think it's just really interesting now. Not only they so consistently give droids personality so well, but it doesn't feel like any droids are just the same person. Like it's not no. like they have like a really generic personality they use for a droid that's going to be used for one scene. They do try really hard to give them more unique and individual personalities, even when they only get limited screen time. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, and. Long may it continue because the droids, I think, uh, I think everyone's got a number of droids from the Star Wars universe that just they adore. Yes. Um, next, a bit more Star Wars dilemmas and dramas and arguments because when isn't Star there? Wars fans hate yes. Star Wars? But to be fair, I think they're onto one. I think they're, they're I think they're on to one here. I think this is a valid <laughs> discussion. Um, Star Wars keep on hiring actors mm. who look very much like characters at certain ages i.e. hiring someone who looks like Luke after the return of the Jedi, hiring someone who looks like Grand Moff Tarkin um, is that, have I said no that is right isn't it yeah I think so um, during the original trilogy etc as stand-ins and then they CGI the other person's face on them and in all of these cases where they've done this, everyone's going, A, the actor who you've got in looks basically identical anyway. Mm -hmm. Or B, even in situations where they don't, there is another actor who is basically identical. Obviously, the most famous one is Sebastian Stan. Yes. Creepily similar to young Mark Hamill. Yes, he does. Um, and everyone's kind of like, if we don't stop this now... We are never going to get a new actor in the Star Wars universe. Like, playing another character. And the problem is, if Star Wars does it that way, everyone else will do it the same way as well. And it means we'll stop getting new actors coming through. Put it this way, if for, uh, sorry, uh, Captain America Civil War was to come out in 10 years' time with this kind of trend... You might not have got Tom Holland as Spider-Man. You might have just got a de-aged Tobey Maguire. Yeah. Um, and it's a valid concern, and I think it's fair, because if you don't stop doing it now, you're going to lock yourself in to always do it. Yeah, it's... I think the difficult... So I, I agree. I don't. I think it's dangerous to completely go this path. I think the difficulty Star Wars has had is we're at a point now where those certain characters they're doing it on are such like iconic characters that and the the films have come out so spread out and all the different things have come out it's like so lo like far long ago when they first did it and like to now and it's like they've kind of dug themselves into the hole of well we're stuck with what like we've done it a few times now where the, the likeness of this actor has been like we've found a way to digitally 
digitally do it because we wanted them to look the same and we didn't commit to like using a younger actor i do get what you're saying but let, let me let me just throw a little spanner in your works here grand moff tarkin who's one that's been cgi'd a couple of times now mm-hmm. for different cameos in the original trilogy, he only had nine minutes of screen time. Mm. I, well, I mean... He's, I, had, he's had more screen time I don't as know. another actor with a CGI face. So I... Don't get me wrong. That's I craziness. Think, I don't think they should have done it with like him. But the, the, what I'm saying is the issue is they chose to do it at first to the point where now it's kind of hard to go against that because it's like, well... You made that choice already, and now we're so used to that character because of doing yeah. digital. Do I think they should do it forward for new characters that come along? No. I um, can only think of one character that I would be okay with them doing it for, and that is clones. Yes. Because even if the CGI looks a touch wonky, what you can do is you can individualize them with like scars or cuts or different aging styles whatever so that you can still tell it's the clone but make them look different but at the same time you can probably find actors who will look similar enough that you can just go oh i mean they're a clone they've lived a slightly different life therefore they look slightly different now so i don't even think like that's a good example of when you need to use it i think the only real example of when you should be using it is if the actor is still alive you just need to make them look a bit younger yeah, I think I, that's all that technology should be used for. Yeah, I there's with with Star Wars. I think I'm okay because they've got, they're getting better at, with it with the deepfake stuff, but it's like I'm okay with them doing it with Luke. As long as it's in situations like we've had already, where it's like for one or two scenes, and it's like it's just as much. Like it, it's gonna sell those couple of scenes better doing it with it, a, like a de-aged faked uh, Mark Hamill. Like I'm okay with that. If it was to be like, oh, we've gone back to another Star Wars film, and like one of the prominent characters is Luke, own oh, the whole of it's gonna be the deep fake. I'm like, oh, come on, you could have just got yeah, someone just, just get another actor. to sell just it get well enough. Yeah. I think with, um, like you said, for the clones and uh, Boba Fett's actor, who, to, I think it's Tamuro. Yeah. I can't remember. Something like that. Um, yeah. I think you could, you could get someone. I think it's kind of a point now. It's like, yes, you could digital double that for any situation. I also think you could just very easily get someone who looks like a young version of him and save him to play like a situation where there's an old clone. Let him play some of these clones in live action. Yeah. Um, But it's definitely an interesting complaint. And the problem is also with it. It's not like it's just like Lucasfilm. Because it's not Lucasfilm anymore. It's Disney. And once Disney start going, this person's dead, we paid their family X amount to have their facial licensing rights for the rest of time, they don't need to pay actors anymore, which means they can then start churning out 
Star Wars films for much less money. So this is going into the debate of because AI is getting to a point now with it can generate deep fakes and voice and you could churn out people's likeness. I do you know what I think will happen with that? I think some studio will do it. I don't think it's going to be Star Wars. Star Wars has been very careful with their deepfakes and used them in a smart way that because they know it's not good enough. Someone's going to do it for like an like um someone will some studio will do it for like a story about an actor and their life story who's died and they'll just deepfake it and it will be like it will not be well received. Yeah. Because it will be uncanny valley, I guarantee. Oh, and sure. Studio studios will then realize this isn't what people like. People don't enjoy this. People want actors, and it will kill it. Um. Also, I think I can guarantee there's already a thing now with actors putting in their contracts that they do not have the right to AI generate them. Well, I mean, someone won a lawsuit for that a couple of years back. Um. Who was it? I, I it was an actor who was only in the first film of a trilogy. Their character died. Oh! It was the person who played young George McFly in the first Back to the Future film. In the second Back to the Future film, they did a flashback with him that used that footage, and he was not paid for that. Yes. So he went, my contract said I was only in the first one. You don't have the rights to continue to use my face. Give me my money. And he won. Yeah. And that was actually a lot longer ago than I remember. Um, it was probably before I was even born. But you get the idea. Um, actors definitely do need to make sure that they can't be taken advantage of. Yeah, it'll be... They're going to be as, new as things always, now to protect their likeness. Read what you're signing. Yeah, yeah. always get a lawyer. Um, so... Yeah, going back to Star Wars, I think in certain situations, I'm okay with them still doing the CGI faces, especially because now they are better at it. But I don't want them to, like... I don't want them to... For example, say we get some situation where we're going to see a very, very young Rey, with, like, as a child. Don't, like, digitally fake her face. Just get as an actor. Yeah. Same way... They got a child for a uh, young layer. Yeah. Just go and find a child. You will make their entire... Could you imagine if as kids, you'd have been asked to be young Chewbacca? <laughs> yeah. Just a six-foot kid. Exactly. Back, back in your, your early 30s. There, but yeah, like, I think... There's going to be some situations I'm okay with it, but I do agree. I don't. I don't think the precedent should be people start leaning it's on. It's definitely something deep we need fake. to keep. Oh, not not we. We have no power, but that needs to be kept a close eye on. Um, uh, go. On. I was just gonna say I am hopeful that there's enough directors that appreciate the art of filmmaking and understand the appreciation of actual actors and not doing everything CGI. Yeah, I think that's fair. Nerd News uh, Network time. Indeed, indeed. We've got we've got we've got quite an array of things here. 
Yeah, a, spa- um, a spattering of news. Yeah. That one that I had in at number two, I'm going to move to the end, just because okay. it doesn't really make sense to be in at number two. Um, Quantumania, that yes. Ant-Man film that people really weren't impressed with, um, comes to the streaming service Disney Plus from early next week. I believe like five days after this goes out. Um, so like mid next week, actually, it'll be next Wednesday, won't it? Um, I've I've noticed now, generally a week after the new MCU film comes out, they put the old one on Disney Plus. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. It'll um, it'll be interesting to see how the CGI, uh, like there was some don't get me wrong, there was plenty of good stuff in that, but like the the rough parts of CGI, interesting to see how that holds up on streaming service quality. So what I've noticed over the last couple of years with sh- like films coming to streaming services a lot quicker um, is the initial reaction then either gets solidified or torn to pieces mm. once it comes to a streaming service and more eyes get on it. Um, a lot of the time with Marvel films, they've been not received as well by the time it gets to because people could like download it and go through it by frame by frame by frame and find every little thing they disagree with and also as a general rule if you're not willing to spend the £10 for the cinema to watch it you're less interested in it anyway so mm. you're less likely to be the target audience yep um, I, it'd, be, it'd be interesting well, to see how Quantumania is like received by the fans that haven't seen it Yes, for sure. Um, it'll be very interesting to see how the wider audience accepts it. Um, good news. Loki is due in October this year. It is. We said a couple of weeks back when we were doing our summer preview that we might get Loki or Echo in the summer. Yes. Looks like Echo's not going to be this year now. Um, okay. But Loki is due for October. So it hasn't quite made the summer deadline we were hoping for. But it's still not that far away. Yeah, Yeah. it's going to give us something to wrap up the year with, um, which will be good. Um, And I'm looking forward to it. It'll be interesting to see more what more is going on over at the TVA. Do you know, kind of leaning off what we discussed when we were talking about Guardians of the Galaxy with Jonathan Majors, I Mm -hmm. wonder if they were shooting for a summer release, but with the current situation, they've pushed this back a little to buy them a bit of time to decide on what they do, like to, for things to play out and find out what's going to go go ahead. Um, that would be a very calculated and cunning move, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, Secret next Invasion. up, yeah, something I'm very excited for. So, Secret Invasion is obviously starting June twenty first. Very um, excited. And it's had like a new teaser trailer, behind the scenes actors talking about it quite an old school kind of hype around a show isn't it well yeah very much like actors talking about why they're so excited for this project and uh, 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 less less like youtubes and whoever doing interviews with the actors and more like a so what we're doing in this story is and they give you like the the broad strokes of it and that it's like the actor is trying to sell you the show um and it, it's got me hyped. I mean, it's worked. Yeah, I, 
you sent it to me and I'd actually already seen the, the TikTok where someone showed that. And it's like, it it's helped sell the tone of it more. And I think actually a smart move from the MCU and Disney is like, because this film is very much people are a bit like, well, what's the time? Like, how's this fitting in? Like, when, what the fuck's going on? And it gives you a very brief, like, this is the tone of it. This is what to kind of expect to really kind of, okay, now we know what's, what we're going to get. And hype, like you say, hypes us up more. Sounds like it's going to be very, very spy thriller, mm-hmm. which has got me even more excited. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Twitter has been in a tiz. When is it not? <laughs> so after Guardians 3 released, people mm-hmm. are calling it the best superhero film since Endgame. They seem to be forgetting that like Shang-Chi and Spider-Man Noah Home and that have come out since Endgame, as well as Batman <laughs> on the other side. But yeah. whatever, people are entitled to their opinions. Um, and then you've got some people going, I can't wait to buy my tickets for the best superhero film this summer. And they've been putting stills from the Flash up or stills from the Spider-Verse up. And you're getting people replying going, sorry, I think you use the wrong pictures, replying with pictures from one of the other three films. So, Horry choose right now with the knowledge of how good guardians 3 is which i think makes this a more difficult question yeah it does which one of these three films is going to be the best come the end of the summer in my opinion it's not going to be flash which leaves me with spider-verse or guardians and you were very high on spider-verse I was, but you, I'm going to, it's it's hard because it's hard not to take Guardians as like what it did as the whole trilogy. Mm-hmm. I, I think for what it does to close out the trilogy, Guardians will just tip it. But Spider-Verse and what it does visually for animation will be incredible. Would you like a little bit more information to make your decision even more, more, even more difficult? Oh, I'm ready to go. Um, people working on Spider-Verse have claimed there is a Empire Strikes Back style cliffhanger. Well, yeah, that, that's, that doesn't surprise me as it's part one. Mm. I think <clears throat> I can foresee a world where any one of these three films is by far and away the best film of the summer through no fault of the others do. I can see Spider-Verse coming out and we sit here and go, that might be one of the greatest films ever made. I can see The Flash coming out and us going, that might have just redefined comic book movies. What I will say is... um James Gunn is very hot on the flash and he's seen it. Yeah. No, and, there's I still mean, the, yeah, I have he's the to head say. of DC, but if this film fails, it's no skin off his nose. No, no, but there's still a little part of me that's like, how much has he been influenced by the fact that he is now in charge of DC? But uh It's it's really tough because I, I can see, like you say, Spider-Verse being incredible i actually think 
I, I'm going to stick with Guardians because I actually think the part two of the Spider-Verse will be better than part one. And I think the part okay. two will be the the incredible you, film. You just don't know if knowing where Guardians have set the bar of fire for them can leapfrog it. Yeah, I think the, the difficult thing is Guardians has, it is the closure of a trilogy. And it's hard to like with Spider Verse. This is only the second one. Like it's, I know it's not gonna have that same like emotional effect. So I think Guardians is the safe bet. I think Spider Verse is the smart bet. But I cannot rule out Flash. I am struggling so much to decide what I think the best one of the summer is gonna be, and I'm struggling even more now that I know where like the bar is. Mm. Um, I think Spider Verse is without a doubt, going to be right up there. Um, and whether you prefer Guardians or Spider-Verse is going to be very individual. I think The Flash is going to be poorly received no matter what because of the controversy surrounding it. But I can definitely see a world where I walk out of that and go, comic book movies can never be the same. And I can genuinely see it redefining the genre. But maybe I've just bought into all the hype too much. Maybe. Um, but, I mean, we won't know for another month and a bit. 35 days until The Flash comes out and we've got Spider-Verse in between. Oh, we do. In in 40-ish days, we're going to sit down and we're going to go, wow. What a trilogy of films that are completely unrelated but have gone together. We're going to be like, wow. James Gunn's really got a lot of work to put in to rebuild DC. <laughs> uh, interesting news out of Disney plus HQ place thing. Yes. Um, so there's like it's like a three layers of news around Disney plus this week. So first and foremost, it looks like Disney are merging in some capacity with Hulu. Yeah, taking a page out of HBO's book. Yeah. It also looks like while doing that, they are purging a bunch of content from Disney Plus, mm -hmm. which I'm sure, based on pure speculation, that that is probably just the content that is not getting numbers. Like they'll have analytics to see what's being watched. They're probably just getting rid of like the bottom ten percent. But there are still going to be people who watch that stuff who probably are going to lose content they care about. I'm hoping it's not us, but it might be us. <laughs> Um, but also, they recorded a loss of 4 million subscribers in Q2 of 2023. That is no small margin. That is a lot of money disappearing. So It's almost like <clears throat> when everyone said, when all these other streaming platforms started popping up around Netflix, if you keep on charging us £8 a month for a million different streaming services, we won't pay for any of them, we'll go back to pirating. The only reason Netflix worked for so long is because it dominated the market and everyone could watch TV, they paid their, at the time, five quid a month for Netflix and it had everything else on there. Mm -hmm. They were happy. What? You're just forcing everyone back to pirating content and none of you fuckers are going to make money. Well, it's the thing that was said once there was all these popping up, which is it's Netflix worked when it released because it was convenience. It was the only streaming service. You sign up, you got all the shows that were being streamed. Boom. 
easy one place to go you had what you wanted you had everything that people were talking about and all that now you've got so many options as you've always had with any sort of thing of like sky and sky packages it's like people buy the ones they want no one's gonna have every single one people are gonna start to go especially with the world's global like economics in the moment people are cutting things it's like oh yes we're going to start cutting out the streaming services we use the least and i it's something i've expected for a while which is like as soon as someone finds a way to put multiple streaming services in one spot which brings back convenience that's what's going to succeed over netflix and i'm telling you right now it's only a matter of time before one of these pirating platforms manages to get an app approved on the google play store and then everyone on their Chromecast simultaneously downloads the app and watches the content from all of the platforms completely for free. I think what is more likely to happen, because that, that probably will happen, but I do see like the things like Disney Plus and Hulu merging. Someone is going to come along and it's going to be like, you pay X amount, and you get access to it's like cheaper than the combined cost but like so it's like you get multiple or like you can pick packages to be like you can select which ones and it figures out like a custom price that is cheaper than if you signed up for all of them but you can select your own package and it's all in one space as soon as someone figures that out and gets the streaming services on board that will completely not netflix out of the water because i can guarantee netflix wouldn't agree to something like that because they don't like password sharing or malarkey yeah i mean netflix are <clears throat> digging their own grave um day by day um but yeah it, it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on the fact that disney is large with as much content and i think everyone has at least one disney ip that they adore mm. the fact that they can't hold on to customers that is more a sign of the economic downturn than streaming altogether. Don't get me wrong, it says a lot about streaming, but it also shows the world's economic state. I think the issue Disney's had, right? Disney Plus launched, everyone's very excited. Oh, it's all our Disney, all the favorite Disney content, we can watch it on there. And then it's like, they've realized, realistically, Disney Plus is for Star Wars and MCU. Like, all the big releases... There's been, don't get me wrong, there's been Disney films that come out and stuff, but like all the big stuff has been very much focused on Star Wars and MCU shows. And it's like, if you're not into those, like, and you're not like, have a child to watch all the Disney stuff, you don't want it. So it's a very smart move. Like, yeah, they've got the Star and they've got some Hulu stuff. I think it's very smart that they're doing a merger with Hulu because a lot of people do still have Hulu because of Hulu shows. And to bring that into one place, Disney Plus will bring back in people. And it's better for both parties sort of situation. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, in some very serious and hopefully is worse than it sounds news. Mm. Um, so back in early April, um, the news did the rounds that Jamie Foxx had been rushed to hospital after yes. a medical emergency that was all the information we really got um then we got dribs and drabs over the following couple of weeks it was all okay he was looking better blah 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 nothing to worry about he's gonna be fine 
-hmm. Now, in the last kind of 48 to 24 hours, I'm seeing a number, and don't get me wrong, it's sites like TMZ. Um, So we do need to take it with a pinch of salt. Mm -hmm. But there are apparently a number... There are sorry, there are a number of articles that are claiming that his family are potentially preparing for the worst. Now, this could be a simple case of they've gone, it's all looking good, but we're trying to keep ourselves prepared in case shit goes wrong. And someone's grabbed a snippet of that and gone preparing for the worst. Mm. Or it could be a case that, that Jamie's in serious, seriously not well. We're not here to speculate on that course. I just hope that Jamie Foxx is okay. Um, yeah. He's done a number of films and projects that I enjoy greatly. Um, and for him to fall so unwell so suddenly out of nowhere is quite scary. And I hope I hope that he's recovering for both him and his family's sake. Yeah, I, I'm hoping that it's a case of... They said everything was fine, but they never really released any more details or have said anything else. And now the news media is like, well, we haven't heard anything else. So maybe it's actually worse than the hiding stuff. Or like some like you say, some snippet of like someone something has mentioned that like, oh, he's not over something. And it's like, oh, they've latched onto that. Hopefully it's just that. And hopefully he's making a recovery. Because like you say, he's done some incredible projects over the years and really would be sad to if there's uh, something more going on there. Exactly. Um, is it time to enter the last ever Superhero Showdown? It is. It is indeed. The, the big grand finale. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I don't think either of us foresaw this being the final. No. Bracket. No, we, um, we did. Should we do a little recap of their roots here? Yes, and for those that don't know, this is the finale is Ghost Rider versus Swamp Thing. Indeed. So Ghost Rider started in our Marvel Heroes quadrant of the bracket as the four seed. Mm. He defeated Daredevil, Captain yep. America, Beta Ray Bill in that quadrant mm. before moving on to fight Ultron in the Marvel semi-final, which has led him all the way to the grand final. Whereas yes. Swamp Thing mm. started in the DC Hero Quadrant um, as the number one seed. Um, and he walked through the yeah. Signal, Red Hood and Blue Beetle to find himself in his semi-final against the Demon's Head Raish Al Ghul who yep. he beat leaving him in the grand final versus Ghost Rider. This has been 30 plus episodes in the making. Yeah, something like that. It's been, we've been this has been going. Well, I mean, yeah, there was there was 32 characters in this bracket. Um and we missed a couple of weeks of Super Showdown. So this is probably like 40ish episodes in the making potentially. Possibly something like that, I think. Um, which is craziness, and it's all come down to this. And this is where we're going to be ending the Super Showdown, at least for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're coming up with some things to replace it. Um, I've come up with some names. Sorry. Oh. Um. So I mean, where do you want to start? Ghost Rider or Swamp Thing? So I, 
I I had to I had to look up some stuff because I I was going into this and, I, and to be honest, I am still now coming out of research of the same opinion of. I don't see how this isn't a stalemate, and which is like a really anticlimactic thing for a finale. A man's just gonna sit on the fence and go, "I'm not picking." But like, it's it's really we've got. Oh, don't get me wrong. Obviously, it's the final. It's two very powerful characters we've got ghost rider who we've talked about several times can't just be outright beaten to death like he his regenerative abilities and the fact that like he will just find a new host the same is the case for swamp thing like swamp thing can't just be like punched to death like he is too strong in that sense it takes incredible things to kind of break both but not i don't think eva has something to break the other okay which is what i'm struggling with for a finale it's like ah yes we've put the two very strong people that actually neither has a weakness for the other i don't know where okay. you stand so i i mean I don't say I don't think I disagree too greatly. The um, I think the thing is Swamp Thing's control over larger helping implements, i.e., nature. I think gives him the ability to kind of pin the Ghost Rider down, and I, I think like we can accept a victory via submission. Yeah, um, well, we we have done in the past, or so by... I I think that is the best chance of an outright result. I do agree that it'd be pretty difficult to get an outright result. Um, yeah, I mean, you raise good points. Like, we've established Hellfire isn't actually too fiery. It's more of a mystical thing. So it's not like you can just burn Swamp Thing down. Well, th this is something I looked up. And uh, Swamp Thing has actually, in the past, taken control of fire because it is part of nature. So Phenomenal. So even when even someone if has tried, had been proper fire, it e might not have worked. even if when someone has used fire on he's then taken control of it and just like, yeah, so what's up? The other thing is, well, we've talked about pen and stare, right? That needs uh -huh. a soul. I don't feel like Swamp Thing has a soul because he is a creation of like just nature. I mean, even if he does have a soul, I doubt he's done anything he would deem wrong because he's just protecting yeah. the green. Um. So, do we leave it up to the fans? Do we put a poll out on YouTube, um, on Twitter, on Spotify, put them answers together and decide? Possibly. I think the only conclusion that I would lean to is similar yeah. to yours of, we have in the past said, if someone can no longer fight, Sai Ghost Rider loses his host. Or Swamp Thing gets being up to the point where you have to go off and regenerate. But that's a victory. And if I was to say anything, because Ghost Rider's things really don't work on Swamp Thing, I think out he'd of... He'd be more inclined to go Swamp Thing. Yes. Purely, I, I think... I would also be. He'd more likely get Ghost Rider into submission or do enough damage to the host body to at least kick Ghost Rider out before Ghost Rider could do enough to Swamp Thing. Okay. So... Are we calling Swamp Thing our winner? 
I think by like five percent, like a fifty-five to forty-five situation. Like it's okay. just swampy. So what you're saying is, if everyone goes nuts in the comments saying no, Ghost Rider absolutely wins, you'll happily concede. I I don't know about happily, <laughs> but yes, I would concede. But you would concede. Yeah, okay. Yeah. If someone gives enough people give enough reason as to why Ghost Rider can beat Swamping, then yeah, I'll concede. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well. There we have it, folks. Swamp Thing is the winner of our Superhero Showdown bracket. He is the Superhero Showdown champion. Yes. The supreme Superhero Showdown champion. Um, That is it from us this week. Mm. We'll be back next week with more waffle, because there's always more waffle to be waffled, as well as our new and improved section that is not super showdown but it's not too dissimilar a new segment coming yes um thank you very much make sure you've liked us make sure you subscribe to us we are flying through our targets at the minute we are We're still on course to hit our 1000 subs by the end of the year so make sure that you're doing everything you can to help by hitting that subscribe button because you do not want to miss any of this content nope. anything to add no Right. Nothing, we'll nothing on week. my end. So yeah, we'll see you next week. Goodbye.